This is Nuclear Knowledge. A production of the National Institute for Deterrence Studies. Hello, I'm Jim Petrosky, president of the National Institute for Deterrence Studies. In episode 19 of our podcast, we accidentally submitted the unedited version of the show to the RSS feed, and many of you downloaded it before we made corrections. Thus, we have made this special rebroadcast so you would not miss an important show about a topic from a national expert, Dr. Wally Clark. Mistakes happen, but at NIDS, we want our listeners to get a quality program that is of value to the community, seeking to increase their knowledge about important deterrence topics. Some topics can be quite complex to describe during our short show, but we will not shy away as you sometimes need to hear some things for the first time. Thus, we have our editor help out, and that's what you heard. So, we goofed, and we fixed it here. As always, if you have ideas or comments about our show, please contact us at nids at thinktheturns.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you. Welcome to another episode of Nuclear Knowledge, a weekly show of the National Institute for Deterrent Studies, where we are advancing peace, promoting stability, and helping you to think deterrence. I'm your host, Wally Clark, and today's podcast is the fourth introduction to the categories of nuclear weapons effects. We'll explore the nuclear weapons' non-traditional electromagnetic pulse. The views expressed here are my own. In this series of podcasts, I'm working through the nuclear weapons effects and using the acronym BOSTERD as my compass. BOSTERD, you may recall, stands for blast, overpressure, shock, thermal, electromagnetics, radiation, and dust. In the first of my BOSTERD podcast, I discussed the generation effects of the electromagnetic pulse, or EMP. That discussion concerned the most widely known EMP, the one Hollywood thinks it knows, and the EMP that is generated when a nuclear weapon is detonated at high altitude and the effects occur within a straight line of sight of the fireball. This traditional nuclear EMP is generated by the detonation's emitted gamma particles, ionizing the oxygen and nitrogen molecules in the atmosphere, thus generating free electrons, which produce a burst of energy we call EMP. Today, we'll explore the several non-traditional EMPs. These EMP types include HEMP, NEMP, SGEMP, IEMP, ECEMP, SREMP, DEMP, NNEMP, and EEMP. The first two are HEMP, H-E-M-P, and N-E-M-P, which just stand for high-altitude EMP and nuclear EMP. They are merely different names for the typical generic EMP. On the other hand, S-G-E-M-P is system-generated EMP. It refers to the electric field that can be generated by the interaction of gamma particles and X-rays with various solid materials 
present in and surrounding electronic system. Think Defense Department equipment like missile electronics, also military and civilian vehicle electronics, satellites, computers, cell phones, and cell phone towers. The gammas and X-rays interact with the boxes enclosing those systems' electronics. SGEMP is generated within the enclosures and affects electronic components in satellites and ballistic systems, which might be directly exposed to nuclear radiations from a high-altitude burst. SGEMP can also be significant for electronics exposed to surface and moderate-altitude nuclear bursts. This is also true for surface systems or for aircraft exposed to relatively low-yield bursts. SGEMP is also called IMP or internal EMP. Consider a system designed to shield from the ravages of traditional EMP. The electronics are placed within a metal case, possibly an EM signal-blocking Faraday cage. Yet, gammas and x-rays striking the case, the electronics, and any material within the case produce electrons that interact with other solid materials to release yet more secondary electrons. So an electric field is generated near the surfaces. In space or at high altitudes, the the electric field on the interior walls can reach 100,000 to a million volts per meter. At lower altitudes, the air is ionized, releasing low energy electrons, which generate a current. Large currents and voltages capable of causing damage or disruption can be developed, just as with the typical EMP. ECEMP is electron charging EMP, and it's similar to the SGEMP. That is, orbiting satellites are constantly exposed to the natural space plasma and charged particle environment. With sufficient charging, an electrical discharge can can occur between different portions of the satellite which creates an electromagnetic transient that can couple to satellite electronics. DEMP is dispersed EMP. DEMP is the space-bound EMP formed from a high-altitude electromagnetic pulse explosion where a satellite or other system passes through the far upper ionized atmosphere, collecting charge that can lead to an electrostatic discharge. DEMP is similar to electronic charging EC EMP. Source region EMP, sometimes called SHRIMP, abbreviated SREMP, is generated with surface or near surface nuclear detonation. It will occur very close to the detonation, and here the produced gamma rays interact with the atmosphere to generate the same EMP as with the high altitude detonations. SREMP will affect electronics and wires, just as typical EMP. Consider a nuclear detonation near long-haul electrical wires. The SREMP signal will be transferred to the wires to affect downstream systems before blast, overpressure, shock, and thermal destroy the wires near the detonation. NNEMP is non-nuclear EMP and it is generated by events other than the explosion of a nuclear weapon. For example, an ultraviolet laser 
on the exterior of a metal box can produce the effects of system-generated EMP within the box. Other non-nuclear EMP effects can be generated via high-powered microwave transmitter or a solar mass ejection producing a geomagnetic disturbance. EE EMP or enhanced EMP is also called super EMP and it is a super electromagnetic pulse generating nuclear weapon designed to create a far greater EMP in comparison to standard nuclear weapons. Here the gamma particle production of a detonation is enhanced so as to create an EMP yield of potentially up to 200,000 volts per meter. Several countries have experimented with the creation of EEMP weapons. Most notable are China and Russia. Chinese military publication boast the country has super EMPs and have discussed their use in attacking Taiwan. Such an attack might debilitate information systems. The Taiwanese military has confirmed China possesses EEMPs, and the implications of EEMP use against the United States territory or its deployed systems I'll leave for another time. Russia has experimented with the design and effects of EMP since the Cold War. In 1962, the Soviet Union developed, but did not deploy, a spaceborne platform known as a fractional orbital bombardment system to deliver nuclear weapons from above the Earth's atmosphere. Here, enhanced EMPs would disrupt U.S. satellites, many of which are vital for U.S. deterrence, alerting the country of possible incoming missiles. To review, an EMP can temporarily upset or permanently damage electronic equipment by generating high voltage and high current surges. Semiconductors are particularly at risk as they are designed to deal with only low voltages and currents. The effects of damage can range from uh, imperceptible to devices literally blowing apart. Cables, even if short, can act as antennas to transmit pulse energy to equipment. All of these several types of EMP can result in the same problem, system upset, disruption, and damage. To minimize these deleterious effects, some common design approaches have been implemented, including Faraday cages, specialized materials, and electrical grounding configurations. However, misquoting Jeff Goldblum from Jurassic Park, EMP may find a way. Thank you for listening to today's Nuclear Knowledge Show. I hope you learned something new and valuable about deterrence. Nuclear Knowledge is a production of NIDS, a 501c3 organization, dependent upon the donations to provide this podcast. Each donation helps keep this and many other deterrence-related activities happening and helps to bring about awareness of the peacekeeping value of U.S. strength and our national deterrence. This podcast is produced weekly, and each episode is released on Monday. If you enjoyed this show, check out our other broadcasts, The Nuclear View. You can catch it in all our podcasts at thinkdeterrence.com. I thank our producer, Kimberly Carrington, our sponsors, and all the fantastic members of the National Institute for Deterrent Studies for making this podcast possible. Stay tuned next week for another exciting and informative nuclear knowledge.
a production of the National Institute for Deterrence Studies.